Welcome everyone, it's Pastor Jung, and uh, here we are on this uh, internet uh, Bible study that I'm just running on my GarageBand program at home, and I thought it would be good to give you something. I know we we canceled Bible studies in the season of March, and I thought, you know, what, whether you're at home, um, on the coffee table, or or out driving um, to work, or in traffic, I thought it'd be good to um, to bring this to you, but uh, but yes, we we continue on with our study of the divine service. Um, what a great service we have um, at the Lutheran Church, as we always come together to receive God's gifts. Right, to get it brings us back to um, Acts two um, and and the other church and what they did um, as they uh, were taught the word as they broke bread, as they prayed together, as they fellowshiped together, um, as they continued to give and um, sacrifice for the community um, at large, and how the Lord added to their number every day as they continued faithfully in His Word. And I think for us, you know, as I uh, would always tell the Confirmation kids, um, we come to church to receive. And it's so important to remember why you come to church. Not because you're fulfilling some kind of quota or or pleasing God um, in a way where you're giving Him your time, but rather, most importantly, it's uh, being given the gifts given by God Himself in His presence. Right? We we come together to be filled with His Word, to be fed with His Word, and that Word is the Law and the Gospel, um, and ultimately the gift of the forgiveness of sins, eternal life. And salvation. Um, it's always an important uh, thing to know that uh, His Word uh, continues to uh, fill us and guide us and and grant us peace beyond ourselves, outside of ourselves. And it just as a quick review, you know, we we look at the invocation. Uh, we remember uh, the great commission, Matthew twenty eight nineteen, to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Hearing those, uh, hearing that uh, phrase, the triune name, it harkens us back to our own baptism, where there in the water the Word uh, gives us the robe of Christ's righteousness, and it reminds us how God works, not about us, not our decision, not what we've done, but how God gathers us and enlightens us with his gifts uh, through his word and sacrament. Um, I think the other week we talked about uh, Nicodemus and John 3.8, um, how the wind blows, and that's how the Holy Spirit works. It's a mystery. A sacrament um, is translated uh, as mystery. Um, this is how God works. It's, it's always so difficult from the human reason mind uh, to really explain what this is all about, but when we look at the word, clearly it says, and by face value, we take it. And there we begin with the invocation reminding who is giving us the gifts. It is our Lord who has brought us in to his triune name. We continue with a confession and absolution. Um, again, when we talk about uh, the life of uh, repentance, um, we, we are called uh, to confession and there, uh, before God, uh, he gives us those words of absolution, and we could be assured 
of these words given by the pastor in the stead and by the command of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, due to John twenty twenty one to 23, the office of the keys. Right again, from the invocation to holy absolution, confession, of course, it's God gifting you, God gifting you, God by his grace giving you, receiving, 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 being fed, full, and um, most importantly in that, receiving the assurance of salvation, knowing full well, faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, hearing the word of God, and there we go in his forgiveness, this uh, that this word that we receive um, assures us that our sins are washed away. In our service, I know here at Faith, uh, we continue uh, with um, an opening song or hymn, and then we uh, continue to go to the Kyrie, the Lord have mercy, right? Um, that everything is about God's mercy, right? Um, not just forgiveness, but literally everything, our daily bread, his provisions, his protection, his care, um, and also, of course, Jesus Christ and and his sacrifice upon the cross, that by his merciful care, he continues uh, to guide us to this day. Again, it, it brings us back to the posture and uh, where we are um, as he is uh, our father and we are his true children. This is the posture of faith, invocation, confession and absolution, Kyrie. This is where we find our posture. Uh, that we live under his care, under, right? Because then we always know the sinful nature desires to live over and above God, first commandment um, um, issues that we might have. Uh, but also as we continue, um, as a quick review, I know this is short. I, I have all these uh, handouts for you at, at at church if you would like them. So um, if you don't have that handout, please ask me and I can give you all of them. I know I like to, um, I don't like to... <laughs> um, Wastes trees, but um, I think they're um, it's worthy of wasting trees is to read these papers uh, that in this case with the divine service so important. So if you if you haven't uh, been to one of our classes, please ask and and come. You know it's always you're welcome anytime uh, to come. Uh, but we continue uh, with uh, with the hymn of praise or the Gloria, and after um, receiving uh, the blessing of absolution. And after uh, singing the Kyrie or reciting the Kyrie, um, there we go uh, to praise the Lamb of God who is worthy of our praise. Uh, continuing, uh, we go to the salutation. Um, uh, the, the Lord be with you, right? Um, and again, um, as we said in Bible study a couple weeks ago, uh, the Lord be with you isn't just a hallmark, how you doing, good morning type of greeting, but Literally, when, when I say the Lord be with you, the Lord is with you. You know, in the divine service, we believe that God is with us, present with us, that he meets us by his word. We're not fishing, right? We're not, we're not wondering where he is, but we know that by his word, he is with us. And that is our assurance again, right? That's why we come to church, right? to receive his word that God is there with us, that he promises uh, to be there with us. And th therefore, uh, as you hear the words, the Lord be with you uh, from my mouth, um, it's not just a hello, but rather a reminder that God is with us in the present time and also space. 
Um, and there you, uh, there you respond. And also with you or with thy spirit. Again, the with thy spirit um, is, I don't know if you've ever thought of it, but it's a reminder of why or how the Holy Spirit has called your pastor to be your under-shepherd of Christ. Right? Some would call it a, a little ordination, a, a reminder of, uh, of what pastor has been called to do. And um, it is all by the Holy Spirit that, that God works, and, and by his word he, he has brought me to serve in this congregation. And it's a reminder to me when I hear those words that, yes, this is what I have been called to do. Uh, we continue on with the readings, um, the Old Testament, um, the Epistle, and also the Gospel readings. Again, the Old Testament um, always points forward to Christ. It always is an anticipation to what is to come in Christ Jesus. The the epistle is the aftermath of the resurrection of Christ. So it's a looking back to what Christ has done and what this life continues to be in the life of faith. Uh, but also, uh, as we continue with the gospel reading, uh, we all rise uh, together uh, there as the pastor reads the gospel um, as it really establishes the 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 theme of the day, but as it centers completely on Christ and, and his word. So there we stand and hear the words of the gospel. And after the gospel, uh, usually we have, uh, again, as we follow through the service, the children's message. Now, I know the children's message, a lot of people could see it as a time where the kids come up and they're, of course, they, they, they're very cute and, and they say many, many good words. But actually, the children's message should be taken seriously um, in a sense of, it's not just the kids up there, but it, it's almost a supplemental sermon to what is to come in the main sermon. And every time I formulate uh, the mini-sermon or the supplemental sermon as we see it in the children's message, not only do they learn, but it's a good opportunity for you to learn um, and to uh, to see how this will emphasize uh, the main thrust of the, the sermon of the day. Um, so children's message, a very, uh, very important time. And I, I found, I find a lot of people saying how a lot of times they, they really enjoy the children's message. Um, and I think last week when we talked, um, the, the kids, uh, when we talk about what is the, the, the most important thing that you'll always hear in church and all the kids said Jesus. And yes, we know that's the answer, but uh, trust me, um, when we talk about the word, Sometimes that's not always what you hear, right? Sometimes it's emphasis on Christian living or, or how to be a better Christian or or, or uh, how to be uh, the best 10 steps of discipleship and all these things. But for us, as we get to the sermon today, um, it's Luke 24, 24 uh, 44 to 47, and that is uh, to preach repentance and forgiveness in the name of Christ. Right? That's why we do what we do. According to Luke twenty four forty four to forty seven, we 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 crush and make alive. Right? We we bring people the law. We show them the truth. We we give them uh, uh, what the law says um, and how the scripture of the day. Uh, for example, the gospel that you heard today with uh, the woman at the well. Uh, there you see uh, that she was she was searching for many things, right? Uh, searching so much that uh, she had to go at a separate time from all the others because of what she had done. And there she was met at the well uh, with Jesus who says, give me a drink. 
And it's Jesus who says, if you knew who I was, if you knew that I'm the Son of God, that um, you would very well know that I would give you uh, the, the gift of eternal life. And this woman was searching. And I think, again, when we look at a sermon, it's it's what does the law say here? And um, yes, we do as well uh, search for all the, the wrong things, or we emphasize and and, and place all of our idols um, in front of God. And I think in this time and space, as we look at uh, what we're facing in the world today, um, how we can covet the things of this world and the the short term. And again, I think it's a very slippery slope, but um, how easily we can be fixated on the uh, the hysteria that is at hand rather than looking at what we actually have, right? Because we know the gift of God, and that's where the gospel comes in, that Jesus is the I Am. And I think um, in the gospel, I don't want to um, talk about the sermon too much, but again, when we talk about the whole service as we've talked so far, everything is about what God has given to us, right? His, we, we go over it again, the invocation. Again, the, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, baptism, that's what it points to. A confession and absolution that it, as we confess our sins, we are indeed forgiven. Just like David in front of Prophet Nathan. I am this man. Your sins are washed away. Right? Uh, and um, and we, we, we pray the, or we, we sing the Kyrie and, and we know our posture that we are under the Lord's care. We, we, we know that God is with us by His grace. We, we read the word that points us to Christ. And here in the Gospel, um, as we read it, um, what was I saying? I totally forgot. But um, I, I think in this sermon, um, we uh, we continue to oh yeah, we continue to follow along that forgiving path. I know um, some would say that. I know we didn't get to this. Uh, I know. Um, let me see my. Oh, where'd it go? Okay. Uh, all right. Yes, I found it. Okay. So, uh, so the sermon. Yes, the purpose of the sermon is, is as we talk about repentance and forgiveness, or as we know it better, um, as law and gospel preaching. Right. So, uh, as I always look at the the way I approach sermons is, um, how does this address the law? How does it address the conscience according to the law? And also, how does this scripture address the gospel? Uh, not not explain what Jesus has done, but rather knowing that Jesus has done it and has finished it for you, quote-unquote, for you, that this word is for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Again, addressing the gospel in light of your conscience, knowing that your sins are forgiven all by what Jesus has done. I think there's a big difference between just talking about what Jesus has done versus Jesus for you. And I think that is the key because when we look at sermons, it's not simply expounding on a scripture, right? It's not a Bible study. It's not a lecture. But um, it's more of, as we see the whole service, God gifting you from the law to the gospel, from convicting, right, um, John 16, I believe, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, to also comforting you in the righteousness of Christ. And that is the word of Christ. Um, uh, as we say, we preach Christ and in him crucified, First Corinthians 1, that we preach his word in season and out of season, Second Timothy 4. Uh, but that this sermon is geared 
Um, similar to, as it says in this quote from my source from Pastor Paul's out of Idaho, uh, one pastor remarked that the sermon is a 20-minute order of confession and absolution in which the preacher declares the law of God and condemns sin and then declares the gospel of God and the forgiveness of sins to God's holy people. Right? That's what the sermon is. It's not what am I necessarily going to learn. And you do learn things, I know. But most importantly is, what is God giving to me? What do I need to hear? What am I receiving? And that is from the law to the gospel. Yes, I have fallen short to the glory of God in so many different ways that I cannot measure up. But yet at the same time, it is the gospel there where Jesus declares me righteous in front of God, all by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. I mean, this is the Christian life, continuously. I mean, not just in a sermon, but in our daily habitus, in our daily life, is that it's that forgiveness, is that repentance and forgiveness. It's the law of gospel living. It's the pattern, right? We know what God has called us to do. We, we, we go on that road. We fall short. We confess our sins. We, we are absolved of those sins, right? Uh, the gospel is there in, to which we rest. The consolation of God's mercy shown to us through the death and resurrection of Christ. And, and this is uh, likewise what the sermon brings to the table. Right? This is what God is working in every one of your hearts. Right? Not only condemning sin, but also declaring to you the gospel. And I think that's very important to know as you go into any sermon. How, and, and I know on issues, etc., a good, um, good podcast, which I encourage all of you to listen to. I know Abe, Abe listens to it every night. But uh, some of the segments there, they talk about uh, uh, where where is the law in the sermon and where is the gospel? What does this sermon say about Jesus? Not just what about Jesus, but what Jesus has done for each and every one of you. For me, right? Um, I think that's very important because that's what a sermon is, right? It's further than just expounding on scripture or or hearing the word. Um, but ultimately, it's Luke 24, repentance and forgiveness. Jesus says, um, to his disciples as they are to go off to the early church. We see Peter in, in Acts preaching repentance and forgiveness, right? He follows through, right? In his great preaching at Pentecost, he is following what God has called him to do. And as a, as a church, we find great assurance in simply following the mandates of what the Lord has called us to do um, as we preach the law and the gospel. But pastor... Right? I already know what Jesus has done. Why do I have to hear that again? And my answer would be, um, just look in the mirror. Right? I think if I look in the mirror, wow, I need Jesus. I need to hear and receive Jesus. And that's what the divine service is all about. So, so when we talk about uh, uh, the, the preaching, um, it's not. I already know this. I already know this story. Why do I have to hear this again? But rather, it's uh, what is this word going to give me? Um, what, uh, how will this word point me to Christ? How will this word address uh, the skeletons in my closet, which I dare not to speak of? Um, and you know, many times uh, people would say, um, "Well, I, you were speaking to me, Pastor. That was that was for me." And um, you know that that's how the that's how the Lord works. Right? That's how the Lord works through his word. And again, um, I think there is great importance in how we hear a sermon. And um, I know in confirmation class, I would always tell the kids as to do their sermon summaries. Um, 
and on what, their two basic questions are, what law is preached and what gospel is given? And there they put down their answers. And I think it's a good training for all of us to do that. Because when we hear the word, there we are renewed and strengthened and sustained, not by feeling, but by the objective word of Christ and what he has done. And that is what gives us uh, the strength, right? The assurance and, and the confidence and the boldness to run the race as we endure by the author and perfecter of our faith, the book of Hebrews, right? Um, and, and there we go. Right? That's why that word is so important. Um, I don't know about you, but I can't, I can't live without the word um, because I know as I look in the mirror, wow, <laughs> uh, I need, I need the word. Uh, I need all the word. I need to go to the divine service and receive these gifts, gift giving time, empty knapsack. You go in, you leave full, right? This is what we're receiving um, in the service time and time again, right? This is a treasure trove of goodness. I mean, the, the place to be, uh, especially in the midst of all that we're facing in this world today, uh, as it gives us a redirect to who we are um, as children of God. So yes, the word of God, the sermon preached, uh, the forgiving office as we hear the words of absolution, um, as the law is there, as the gospel is there, as we preach the text um, of God's word. Uh, we proceed uh, with uh, the unity of our faith as we uh, confess our faith in the Apostles' Creed. Now, usually we see that there are uh, several creeds uh, that we confess each year. Uh, the Athanasian Creed, the one that is least frequent, which we uh, confess on Holy Trinity Sunday. I know that's more of the long-winded one, uh, but much importance uh, with the Athanasian Creed as it points to uh, the importance of the Trinity and, and what that is uh, for us. But as we continue, usually we uh, we confess uh, the the Apostles' Creed along with um, the Nicene Creed. And um, here we find ourselves uh, f having the the true summary of our faith. So when someone asks, um, what does it mean to be Christian? Uh, what does it mean to believe in God? Who is your God? What has your God done? Um, and what is our unity of faith? Here we find it um, in a, a perfect summation uh, through the creeds. Now, creed, uh, credo, um, Latin, I believe. Right? What do you believe? Uh, we're not going on rabbit trails here for the Apostles' Creed. The Nicene Creed has given us uh, the perfect scaffolding uh, to our faith. Um, and as we look uh, quickly at the Apostles' Creed, uh, we know that it was formed um, near the second century, uh, finally forming totally, completely uh, in the eighth century. The Nicene Creed, uh, nearing the fourth century, where there uh, we see it battling or counter uh, countering the the teachings of Arius, who. Who, who who taught in Arianism that Jesus was created after the fact, which, again, as you know, would pose a lot of, uh, well, it's heretical to God's word, but uh, that would make a completely different faith altogether. 
But I think it's important to remember that uh, as we say the creed, and I know many of you have said this creed for a long time, that it's not just a ritual that we say, but it's what we confess and what we believe. Right. So when we uh, talk about the creed, and as we say it, I think the temptation is, well, this is just the part where we say the creed and we stand up and do it in a uh, we can do it in a rote fashion. But rather, um, as I as I've taught in catechism class, um, as I've mentioned in various Bible studies and even on Sundays when we uh, say it all together, I think it's important to kind of uh, slow it down. Right, uh, like on the vinyl, you know, I love vinyl, so you just want to slow it down the RPMs, and <laughs> just so that we can um, enjoy and rejoice and meditate uh, on what it means uh, to what we believe, teach, and confess. And today we're just going to focus in um, on the Apostles' Creed. Now, the Creed begins as we say it: "I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth." Now, what does that mean? That God provides all that we have. That we are dependent upon Him. right? From our eyes, our ears, and all of our members, our body, and our soul, our reason, and our senses. And He still takes care of them. He does. Uh, uh, he continues to provide and guard and, and lead us by His will. Uh, but also, uh, not only our existence, but also our daily bread. Clothing, shoes, food, drink, house, home, wife, children, land, animals, all that I have. Uh, we attribute all this and give thanks to the Lord uh, for he daily indeed richly provides for each and every one of us, uh, supporting us in this body and life. And also spiritually caring for us as he guards us from all the dangers from evil. Right, um, From the devil, the forces of darkness, there the Lord is as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Indeed, we will fear no evil. And when we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, as we say this during church, uh, we remind ourselves, why would God do this for us all out of his fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me? This is our Father. He is the God of love. Uh, the one who is patient and kind, merciful, abounding in steadfast love. When we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, this is what should be uh, uh, rising up um, in a sense of um, in your heart and mind, knowing this is who my God is. Right? He, he's not like a father in this world. I'm not a perfect father. I think all fathers could admit that. But our God, he's perfect. Right? He is the perfect uh, Almighty Father who has made all things. And therefore, um, in this reality, it shows us that everything is dependent upon him, that we completely depend on him in this life of faith. Now, in our sinful nature, you very well know how we love to be independent and we love to say that we are the God of our lives. But as we say these words in the Apostles' Creed together, we go back to the reality that everything was created out of nothing and that God had created all things, including you and me. Again, we don't choose to be in this world. I don't know if you did, but I surely didn't. Right? God brought me in. And um, yeah, that's why I have black hair. God gave me black hair. God gave me brown eyes. You know, God even gave me my, um, my unique mind. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, but yes, in all this, 
It gets us back, and therefore it is our duty to thank, praise, serve, and obey him. Right, so again, when we go through the creed as we say it, don't just zip through, because when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, uh, we're just quickly, um, it can be a quick run through, but yet, yet as we say, I'm dwell in those words and, and make that wavelength, right? Not just the linear, but the wavelength as we dwell upon um, the, the first article of the creed. Okay, so there we find ourselves uh, depending on the Father uh, for all things, right? That it really uh, uh, takes away our own position, our own pride, our own ego, whatever you want to call it, and, and it places us under the Father's arms, under the Father's kingdom. And there we are again in that posture of faith in the divine service, continually receiving what the Lord gives to us as we are the receiver, he is the giver. And speaking of giving, second article of the creed, Jesus Christ, right? Redemption. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. Now, second article. Wow. There's a lot of good stuff there theologically. A lot of gold and milk and honey um, as we see it. But I believe in Jesus Christ. Boom, right there. Genesis 3.15. The promise fulfilled. Right? Genesis 3.15. From, from the offspring of a woman will come the Savior of the world. And that is Jesus. Who saves you? Jesus answers that question. Who bought you with a price? You did not take out your credit card. But it's Jesus by his body and blood. By his precious body and blood. By his innocent body and blood. Right? He is God, no sin at all. And there he lived his life as he was born into this world of the Virgin Mary, the virgin birth, conceived by the Holy Spirit to do what? To suffer under Pontius Pilate. Right? Um, you know, when we talk about Jesus, um, that God is with us, I think it... Uh, it really, again, puts us in our position that I cannot save myself. You cannot save yourself. No matter how good we think we are, no matter how many works we've done uh, in charity, in, in good works, and in, in philanthropy, and all these things, they're all good. Of course, I, I always encourage everyone to love their neighbor. But when it comes to salvation, our works play no part. That's why when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, the redemption we're saying, I cannot pay my way. It's only Jesus' body and blood who paved the way. Second Corinthians 5.19 He who knew no sin became sin for us. This is our Lord. As St. John the Baptist would say, John one twenty nine. Behold, look, adieu, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right, The Lamb, the Old Testament Passover Lamb, now to the, the fulfillment in the New Testament Lamb, the true Lamb, the true sacrifice, Jesus Christ, Galatians 3, the Christ who redeemed us. Uh, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, being lifted high upon a tree for each and every one of us, right? This is our Lord. And when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, 
He's not just a life coach or a leader or someone to model all lives after, but we believe in Jesus Christ, the one who suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified, died, and was buried. Right? And this is his work, his unique work, the gospel in a nutshell. Right? Because this is what he needed to do to redeem me, a lost and condemned person. Don't you see? When we say, I believe in Jesus, we're also saying that we, we can't save ourselves. That's what we're also confessing, that we need the Christ because we are lost and condemned, that we need to be purchased and won for from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, all by the innocent suffering and death, by the shedding of the precious blood of our Lord, his holy blood, his holy work. That is what Jesus does. And and when we say those words, thanks be to God, right? That the Lord, if you, if you think about it, uh, we, we don't deserve such mercy. But our Lord comes to us by his grace and, and he gives us uh, the salvation for our soul. And that is him standing in our place. Not only did he die for us, but he, but he descended into hell. Now that's always a, a great picture. As we see it right here, um, as we call it, uh, the exaltation of our Lord, uh, that is after or after the humiliation, which um, is um, um, him coming into this world and, and dying for our sins. But the exaltation now is uh, there he goes to descend into hell to, to show the victory over the enemies in hell. First Peter 3, that Christ was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Right? So, so when he descended into hell, this is a, a victorious reality, right? That Jesus is the Christ, um, the son of the living God. Um, it is a declaration of his uh, of his victory um, uh, of the cross over death. And, and there on the third day, uh, he would rise, and, and there we see the empty tomb, right? Um, yes, uh, so when we talk about Jesus' resurrection, when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, there we are following an alive Jesus, the resurrection. And here we know that by his resurrection, um, we, we have the all-availing sacrifice for the reconciliation of the world, our Lord, right? Um, Romans 5.10, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life, right? Jesus says, because I live, you also will live. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in eternal life, right? I believe in the forgiveness of sins, not by what I have done, but by the sure confidence as Jesus predicted and foretold, Jesus followed through and, and there he went with the empty tomb and there we have life, right? So when we talk about creeds, like just imagine if we took out the creed, I mean, we're missing an opportunity to go back to what our unity of faith is and, and not only that, but the comfort of salvation as we say, I believe in Jesus, it means so much. Uh, when it comes to the term, when it comes in terms of our faith. And there, after 40 days teaching his disciples, what does Christ do? He rises. Um, he rises and, and he ascends to the Father. Now, um, you know, when he ascends to the Father, I think a lot of people say, well, uh, I guess he's goodbye then, right? I, I guess he's, he's gone and, and I guess we'll see him later. But no, um, when he ascends to the right hand of God, um, it says right there in uh, Ephesians 1, 
20 to 23, when he raised him, that is God, raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The ascension, right? Um, this is such a great picture uh, as we see that Jesus assumes all power. Right? He is not confined to one place. He could be wherever he desires. And here we see in his ascension, as we talk about uh, the Lord's Supper, right? A lot of people uh, have a have very very great trouble understanding Scripture in a sense of that believing that Jesus' body and blood is in, um, in with and under the bread and wine, um, as we consecrate the elements, right? But because of the ascension, because he assumes all power, we can never underestimate how Jesus works. And when Jesus promises us by his command in his very word in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and 1 Corinthians, we very well know that this is where Jesus meets us because it's his word, right? And he has divine power over all the universe. So uh, what we talk about uh, the ascension um, and again, uh, the, the the second article as a whole, I think it's important to conclude with those very words in the explanation of the creed. And again, this is what we should always, uh, uh, this is what should be ruminating in our minds as we say these words, right? We're not just going uh, through the line, but we're really slowing it down and, and, and having that wavelength where we say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Why did he do this? Why did he do this? Because um so that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. This is how much God loves you. And this is our God, right? This is why Christianity is so unique because it's the one outside of ourselves saving ourselves, right? It has nothing to do with us. And when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, we're saying outside of ourselves, extra nos, right? We're saying um, this is uh, beyond ourselves. This is that, uh, we call it uh, the, the alien righteousness. Um, and I think it's very important as, as we look at it um, to know that uh, when we say Jesus, when we believe in him, uh, there we have uh, the great peace knowing that ensure boldness and confidence we can draw near to the throne of grace as it says in the book of Hebrews but because of Jesus right right you can go in his peace you have peace and as you say the second article of the creed you were bought with a price nothing no other Precious metals or, or, or money uh, can never compare to the blood of Christ. Right? For you, for you, you are forgiven. Um, you, you have eternal life all by the redemption of our Lord. Now, as we continue um, through the objective uh, truth that God gives to us in Christ Jesus, and as Jesus fulfilled it upon the cross and the empty tomb, there we follow with, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the third article of the creed, sanctification. The question, how am I made holy, right? How am I made holy? That is a very good question. A lot of people will 
bring up the verbiage, and I want you to think about this a lot. Verbiage, vernacular, words mean everything. Right? It really gives us a, 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 a picture of where people are at. Uh, I know it's Im- important to see that, but, uh, you know, we don't, when we say I believe in the Holy Spirit, there is no, there is no giving on our side of things. This is all the work of the Lord, right? When we say I believe in the Holy Spirit, we're saying ho- the Holy Spirit creates faith in our hearts, right? Uh that when we say I believe in the Holy Spirit, what should be going on in your heart and mind as you uh, go through this, as I call it, the spiritual Rolodex of the uh, of the Catechism, is those words: "I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to Him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the Gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith." Right? This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Right through the gospel, through baptism, through uh, through the supper, right through the word, even through absolution, as you hear those words declaring you forgiven, delivering you the righteousness of Christ, uh, creating and sustaining and and giving you the faith to run the race in His name. This is all the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, again, it's really uh, crushing that thought or or destroying that thought that we actually do something or give our lives or commit our lives or or decide right that whole uh the idea of decision theology that is when we talk about the doctrine of virginal sin we know that we're dead i mean look at lazarus it's only by the words of the lord unbind him and let him go lazarus come out Jesus says, and this is the word, right? This is how God works. He makes you alive. And I think that's a big thing, you know, um, that I, I think when we do not understand uh, our sin, our complete depravity, right? Separated from God ever since Genesis 3, uh, as I, I think talked about it several weeks ago in a sermon, um, if it's 99% and 1%, um, there we got it wrong, Right. Uh, there we think that we can play a part, and, and that's further from the truth. That's really uh, forgetting what original sin had brought to all humanity. Romans five twelve. Um, so we cannot uh, we cannot uh, come uh, we cannot come to the Lord by our reason or strength because spiritually we are blind, dead, and enemies of God. Ephesians two one. Um, and as it says in First Corinthians twelve three, I believe it says that no one could say yes that Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Because the reality is, friends, um, Romans eight that the mind is set on the flesh, and is hostile to God. Right? It's always by the work of the Holy Spirit, convicting us and and calling us to this faith. He called you by your baptism. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, right? That is what he gives to you. You're not doing anything in baptism. It's not a public declaration of of you giving your life to the Lord. No, it's God doing the work, God saving you, God robing you. And it's all by the work of the Holy Spirit. So remember that, you guys, that when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, thanks be to God that he has called us and gathered us, um, enlightening us, as it says in the explanation, enlightening us with his gifts, right? His gifts. Remember, service, divine service, the giving of gifts, 
confession, absolution, invocation, again, uh, the triune name pointing us immediately to baptism. Uh, we talk about the sermon, right, law, gospel, sermon. Um, but we also talk about uh, soon the sacraments uh, where there uh, we too um, uh, receive the gifts that enlighten us and sanctify and keeps us in the true faith. So, so I think it's very important as we talk about the question, how am I made holy, right? And um, I know my son always, uh, he always gets on me because he always says the Holy Spirit. And, um, and that's right. Uh, and that's right. You know, I, I know I don't tell him that all too often because I want him to explain more. Um, but uh, there is, there is a, a truth to that in a sense where the Holy Spirit does gather us uh, by his word. But please don't, don't tell him that I said that um, because he'll just, um, he'll just, probably laugh at me but um but yes you know I, I think it's important that when we say those words the wavelength again i believe in the holy spirit that wavelength should come out in your heart and mind and say how am i made holy and it's outside of ourselves outside of ourselves god is the worker we are the receiver god is a server god is a deliverer we are the ones that passively passively receive these gifts remember that Trust me, the, the devil is always trying to twist that around even so slightly as the master accuser does. And he tries to turn this around on you, right? Uh, making you do these things, right? As it says in John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide. Um. So yes, um, the Holy Spirit uh, um, has has given you this word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. It is God who works, God who saves, God who rescues, and God who gathers and finds you by this very gospel and the sacraments. Right? Again, why is that so important? Because there you find your assurance. There you find who you are. In the midst of all the things that you face, that you are a child of God, right? That this word points you to the uh, the body and blood of Jesus at Calvary and and His empty tomb, the the the, the day to which uh, Jesus broke the grave forever and has given you eternal life, and there by the work of the Holy Spirit, as we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, right? The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body. And the life everlasting. Amen. Um, this is again our faith. That we believe in the forgiveness of sins. As we sing the song of Simeon after the Lord's Supper, uh, Lord let thy servant go in peace. I, I I don't know what's better than that when we say I believe in the forgiveness of sins. That's our greatest outcry of joy. But you see, we are his own. Remember uh second article, Jesus died so that we may be his own, and we are his own. You know, the Lord our Maker, Psalm 121, never slumbers nor sleeps. He's always there watching us and, and guiding us and guarding us. And yes, in, in life, we don't know why a lot of things happen. I'll tell you that. But what we do know is the creed. We do know salvation. We do know that our faith is rooted in what, uh, who God is as he gives us all things. And that, again, is a posture of faith as we look at this. 
because the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. This is what God has delivered to us, that on the last day uh, we will rise, our glorified bodies will, and and we will have an, as a present possession because of what he has done, eternal life. And this is our life of faith, friends, as we continue to walk um, according to his name. And, and the next time you uh, you we confess the creed together, I pray that this may go well with you, that this word may dwell within you, that his peace will surpass will surpass all understanding and that his word may guard your hearts and minds and and this day friends as you listen to this um thank you for uh, bearing with me i know my my old computer has um a lot of freezes and it installs on me so i finally got it done but a uh, blessings to all of you and i'm praying for you and if you ever need a visit um i'm always here to give you a visit um and um just let me know give me a call um and um i will do uh, and I'll gladly do uh, what is possible. So uh, for all of you, praying for you. Uh, we'll see you when we do. And uh, God's blessings to you. Stay safe and take the proper precautions. All right. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we acknowledge your great goodness towards us and praise you for the mercy and grace that our eyes have seen, our eyes have heard, and our hearts have known. We sincerely repent of the sins of this day and those in the past, pardon our offenses, correct and reform what is lacking in us, and help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Inscribe your law upon our hearts and equip us to serve you with holy and blameless lives. May each day remind us of the coming of the night when no one can work. In the emptiness of this present age, keep us united by a living faith through the power of your Holy Spirit with him who is the resurrection and the life, that we may escape the eternal bitter pains of condemnation. By your Holy Spirit, bless the preaching of your word and the administration of your sacraments. Preserve these gifts to us and to all Christians. Guard and protect us from all dangers to body and soul. Grant that we may, with faithful perseverance, receive from you our sorrows as well as our joys knowing that health and sickness, riches and poverty, and all things come by permission of your fatherly hand. Keep us to stay under your protective care and preserve us, securely trusting in your everlasting goodness and love for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. God bless you, and may you go in his peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.